Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to Text Message, the UK-focused technology podcast with me, Nate Langson. And me, Ian Morris. And if you're one of our Patreon supporters or Patreon supporters, this is your extended ad-free version of the show. Thank you, patrons, including Neil Horton, Blitz Krieger, great name, probably not their real name, Mike Burek, Thomas Fayens, um, who are all supporting us live, as well as people listening to us live in the chat room. We've got Battery HQ, we've got Charlotte, we've got John, we've got Camille, we've got Pangolin Sandwich, we've got Richard Taylor, and of course, Ian, I have you. And where there is you, there is only sweet, sweet happiness. But you can join all of those people and get access to our full-length ad-free show, our Patreon-exclusive weekly sister show, Extra Message, uh, and get access to our wonderful Discord community, which I have to say has been um, not... It's been figuratively on fire recently. The, the, the community not is... Not literally. That, yeah, exactly. Figuratively on fire. It's, 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 been, it's been lacking in flames, but absolutely hot with action. It's been, uh, it's been great. Like a like a seventies porn flick. Um, I was chuckling there because um, I just thought about the idea of someone coming out um, in the in the um, delivery room at the hospital and the parents going, "Looks like a Blitzkrieger to me." <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what happened as you uh, slithered into this world. <laughs> Um, but anyway, but they went with Ian anyway. It was probably for the best, mate. Um, <laughs> probably, yeah. Let's talk about SkyQ or SkyQ, as the company pronounce it. Um, it's launched on uh, on Sky three new channels. In fact, let's put this a different way: Sky has launched three new on-demand nature program uh, nature programs featuring high dynamic range or HDR, as it's uh, known to its friends, for Sky. Q customers, those with the Sky Q box. The BBC story here explained that HDR offers a greater range of colours, making pictures more vivid and realistic than before. Uh, <laughs> Ian's going to explain a little bit about that in a few moments, but Sky viewers, uh, in order to get access to this, will need a Sky Q one terabyte or two terabyte set-top box and a Sky Experience or Ultra HD subscription to see the difference. Now, uh, before we get into how HDR works a little bit, um, this all coincides with the launch of Sky's new Nature Channel uh, on Wednesday. The BBC, again, still writing here. The first programmes are going to be available on demand with HDR, uh, are in fact all nature documentaries. They Do you want to hear what they are? Yes, please. They are Gangs of Lima Island. There are five episodes of that. There's oh, okay. Pr- Pride Lands, Wilderness Reborn, one episode of that and there's malawi wildlife rescue five episodes of that now sky also confirmed it planned to broadcast the 2021 olympic games live in hdr as well and there'll be a bunch of other programs that uh, that join the, the the platform in hdr including movies which is probably the most exciting thing for the average uh, person who doesn't have a specialized interest in something like um nature so this is all very good news we've talked on the show a lot of times in the past about how hdr is arguably more important than uh, 4k in terms of the difference it might immediately make to your viewing depending on how big your tv is and how far away you are 
um, from it. But um, but but Sky Q getting this presumably is is um, is is something that would intrigue you, Ian, as something of a of a cine- cinephile. Yeah, that's a good word uh, to describe it. Although that obviously refers mainly to cinema, but cinema has high dynamic range as well. Uh, in fact, film is one of the best ways to get high dynamic range because it, it captures a lot more light uh naturally and uh so you know you could go back to films that recorded you know 30 40 50 years ago and and still get an hdr signal you know get managed to get in hdr information out of it so i i looked into this a bit uh they seem to be using hybrid log gamma which is what the bbc used hybrid log gamma is common in broadcast so with a tv broadcast it's not necessarily practical to send a signal constantly for um, HDR. So what you do is you send a signal at the start that tells the the TV what sort of range it should expect and then it adjusts itself and it should present a reasonably good image. My understanding, and I'm not the world's most authority on this anymore because I no longer do this for a job, um, is that that's not perhaps the best way of doing it because you could have scenes in a show that would be better if they were categorized independently. But it, but but in, in 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 as an explanation of the scene difference, and um, the 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 thing is that you may have a scene where it's extremely bright, and you want to bring up those lows. So that would need a different sort of color range. And then there may be a, a scene next to it that's incredibly dark, where you need to bring up the lights. Um, and so one one sort of, for want of a better description, one palette of colors or available uh, brightnesses. Um, wouldn't necessarily be optimal for a program that contained very dark scenes and very light scenes and scenes in the middle. So it's you're saying it's, what SkyQ is using is 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 more of an adaptive way that can adjust. They're using hybrid log gamma, which I believe does the same thing. Actually, I'm gonna I I, I might just cheekily Google that to check while we're talking. Um, but the way I always describe it is the easiest way is you if you if you take a video camera and you record someone in a room in front of a window you can usually choose to expose for what's outside the window or what's inside the room. So you, the pers- if you want to go for what's outside the window, the person's face would be silhouetted and you probably wouldn't be able to see or, you know, very much detail at all. HDR, in, it, in, in an ideal situation, would the idea being that you could have both. You could have enough dynamic range to see what's outside the window and enough dynamic range to see what's the person's face. And obviously, it's not quite that simple because there's obviously a huge range there. And the human eye is exceptionally good at adjusting in this way, uh, but cameras have to choose. They have to pick a range. Um, and one of, the, one of the explainers that I found said that um, you get about, um, I, what is it? It's something like 13 stops of... Uh, available light in in an HDR image, whereas on a normal TV you get between six and ten ish, I think. Um, and so, anyone who's a photographer who's taking photos will be able to tell you about the importance of you know dynamic range in still photos and what options that gives you after the fact, so you you can tweak things. Um, so, for nature, this kind of stuff works pretty well. Um, I personally, I think. HDR is one of those things where it's very easy to implement on a TV. It's quite hard to get a TV that does it really well because brightness is the most important thing. You need to have a TV capable of producing a lot of brightness. And the the best ways of doing that would be something like an OLED, which produces quite a lot of light, quite a lot of light, not the most amount, or a direct backlight where you have little tiny LEDs behind the screen that provide the illumination um, and 
ideally perhaps quantum dots which help uh, adjust the color in a better way uh, thus reducing reducing the filtering that happens before the backlight giving you more light so if you've got an oled or a qled you're probably onto a, a bit of a winner when it comes to high dynamic range i've got just a standard lcd uh, a samsung which does claim hdr support when i've watched things in hdr i have been slightly less than impressed i've not felt like it has added a huge amount um, it's similar to using it on the on the ipad pros the most recent ones they technically they claim hdr support um and although the color range certainly meets the criteria the brightness doesn't um you need at least i think a thousand nits of constant brightness yeah um but before we go too much into the weeds um obviously this is about sky i think nature documentaries much as was the case i thought for 3d um really benefits um from technology like this because there's just such an amazing um breadth of content available um and it's not just about how big is your image and how many uh how many pixels do you have on the screen you know think mm. about something like a cave um with with say light shining through a hole in the top of the cave from the outside world without hdr you'll either have a nice blue sky that you can see nice blue sky um, but the cave will be engulfed in in darkness and, and will be hard to make out. Or you can have a very nice bit of cave action with some details of water falling off the stalactites or something on the on the roof of the cave. But the the sky would be overexposed, and you can't yeah. really with documentaries, um, unlike film, where you can set up a scene to compensate for that a lot of the time with lighting and studio technology. You can't do that with nature documentaries by virtue of the fact that they're usually shot on one or maybe a couple of cameras um, because they take years to make. So having the ability to do these in HDR um, is just, it, it, I think it, it brings a huge numbers of possibilities to um, to the content that isn't always, um, you know, I would say applicable to movies. I'm trying to, I'm trying to differentiate the difference between shooting something in a studio where you can control for everything and shoot mm. something in a cave where you're waiting months on end to find a particular a spider bat. or a bat exactly um not you... a spider no one wants to see a spider no true okay well you know a, a, do- <laughs> a dodo but, <laughs> you know they're still they're still waiting they're, they're still waiting um okay well this is this is all coming out soon so we'll include a link to the skyq website and the bbc story of course that we um we we were quoting from at uktechshow.com in the show notes and in the mp3 description i didn't see notes on price um so that may either be announced after this episode goes out or it may just not be known yet at all uh, we just do well, know in- included in that top tier tariff which is expensive so if you've got ultra hd already you should be covered is my understanding of it i see well um any thoughts you have on this of course do let us know hello at uktechshow.com <laughs> Time Out wrote that Suzuki presents at the drive-in. That's not a reference to the uh, the, the great rock band, um, but indeed a drive-in cinema franchise, which is coming to 12 cities around the UK this summer. 
The first screenings are going to be in South London this July. We don't know what the films are yet. Uh, and the season will end in East London, which is to the east of South London. Well, sort of northeast from the south of London, in the east of London in September. Uh, Time Out explained that the plan is to set up an LED screen and a system that will allow drivers that is to say ticket holders who are in their cars, to be recognised by their registration plates to allow for a no-contact experience. Cadillacs are not mandatory, apparently. Uh, But all all cars will be parked the recommended two-metre distance apart. Time Out also said there'll be some other entertainment too, which will include silent car discos, uh, bingo, and stand-up comedy. It also said something that I'm hoping someone can explain to me. Milk duds aren't on the snack menu what the hell is a milk dud isn't it uh, a sort of milky flavored uh chewy sweet it might be like you, you know like those milk bottles you get in haribo or whatever yes yeah those right i think it's that kind of thing it might be an american thing that's a very specific thing to say isn't on a snack i know menu. i i don't maybe it's maybe it's a, a, a tradition of uh drive-in movie theatres in America, but that doesn't make any sense because I'm sure popcorn is the only thing that is acceptable to eat. Richard in the chat room is saying that it's it's actually not those milk bottles. They are um, chewy caramel things with chocolate coatings. Oh, well, then I'm completely lost. I have no idea. I wonder if Milk Dud is actually a reference to some kind of a film that involved drive-ins like Grease. Good point. And that it was maybe it was referenced somewhere. Well made. Yes, you're probably right. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, but anyway, there will be food delivery apps available, so you can order hot and cold uh, food and things to your car. Uh, and it's also going to be in Birmingham, Manchester, Glasgow, Leeds, Newcastle, Edinburgh, Southampton, Brighton, Cardiff, Bristol, and Liverpool. Um, so there are two reasons to talk about this. Um, it's not connected to the previous story about HDR. I have no idea if these screenings will be in Almost HDR. I not. suspect. Exactly. I suspect they are not. Um, But in fact, it's just a very, very weird world that we have now entered, where as a result of what's going on at the moment, which will go unmentioned, as is tradition on this show, um, people still want to go to cinemas. And apparently having a gigantic screen and Netflix at home and subscriptions at home for all these streaming services being through the roof, there is still a desire to go to cinemas. And even though London, which is famous for its ridiculous congestion and sort of inefficient use of streets when it comes to motor vehicles, it is now appropriate to create a drive-in that actually works. Mm. So that's that's one aspect of this. And the second aspect of this is that I just don't think being in a car watching a film is any good. I mean, what's the point? Uh, you Isn't that going to be incredibly de- depressing? No, because drive-in theatres in America are for teenagers who got their driving license at 16 and they want to go to a cinema and get off with a girl or a boy and have some privacy um i I, you know no one wants to watch a film like that it's i mean it might be nice if you've got a convertible and you go and sit out in the the winter you know the 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 winter the summer sun in the evening uh you know once the sun goes down it's nice and warm but primarily i think it's for horny teens to go and uh not watch a film Hmm. Now I haven't I haven't been a horny teen for for quite a while. Um. But but I remember when I was, the car was never the attractive place to go. It's it's sort of up behind Solomon's Temple in Derbyshire, uh, or or in the <laughs> yeah, woods. Sure. Well, yeah. The, next to where the teddy bears have their picnic, but um. Oh, but um, only after they've left. Defiling their picnic. 
with your mm. outdoor activities. Um, yeah, I, you, you, I mean, you make a valid point, but it's uh, a car is enclosed. If it's raining or cold, you can have the heating on. You know, it's there are advantages to cars, I would say. Uh, but you're not really a driver, are you? So. Well, but Andy in the chat points this out right now. That the, the bigger reason was probably that I couldn't drive and still can't. Yeah. That is true, but I had friends who drived, drove, and I didn't. Um, I, I had <laughs> Make no out with any of them. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, right, let's see. Um, I think that story ran its course. Um, <laughs> so to summarise, drive-in cinemas are coming to London. <laughs> I love that. Well, when it rains in moron land, Ian, um, it pours. And that's because Engadget wrote this week that London's Trading Standards Office, along with the City of London Police, are attempting to stop the sale of a device that a company claims can protect people from the supposed dangers of 5G spectrum. And I say supposed in inverted commas there, there are no dangers of the 5G spectrum. Stephen Knight, Operators uh, Director for London Trading Standards, told the BBC um, that it considers the roughly £300 device, uh, which is called the 5G BioShield, a scam. Now, Engadget explained that the agency, and this this agency is worth pointing out, they're, they're, it's their responsibility to protect consumers and businesses uh, in London. Um, it's working with the city's police department to get a court order now to take down the website of the company, which I'm not naming the name of because they don't deserve it, that sells the USB stick. And it says on its website that the product claims uh, to provide protection for your home and family thanks to the wearable holographic nano-layer catalyzer, blah, 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 through a process of quantum oscillation, the 5G BioShield USB key reharmonizes the disturbing frequencies arising from the electric fog induced by devices such as laptops, cordless phones, blah, blah, blah. 300 pounds. <sighs> now, I thought, okay, 300 pounds. Let's be, let's let's get around the fact that this is utter horse waste um, for all the reasons we've talked about on the show before. Um, let's maybe just give them the benefit of the doubt in that this is a really, really good USB stick, you know, really high capacity flash, you know, super, super speedy flash, you know, so good you could use it as virtual RAM or something like that. Um, and I found that there was a website of um a company that does things like penetration testing and security maintenance and things like that and they bought one of these things and tore it open so i thought shall we have a look at actually how good the usb key is and it turns out it's a load of crap and that's well, putting what a surprise it, that's putting it politely now i'm going to share pictures of this um on the teardown website in the discord right now so everyone who's listening live uh can see what it looks like but i'll also be including this link in the uh, in the mp3 description and at uktechshow.com because you need to see it it looks awful absolutely terrible um it's clearly just uh, a slightly rebadged white labeled usb stick horribly designed it's kind of a bit of perspexy silvery color it's just it's horrible it's obnoxious really um on the day do you want to has it a guess at how much memory this 300 pound usb stick has in well i've read the script so oh, i know you? 
<laughs> All right. Yes. Not it's a lot. It's about 128 megabytes. Megabytes. That's so... That's useless not only for its intended purpose, but also for any secondary benefit that you might get from it. Yeah. I couldn't even believe that anyone still makes 128 megabyte USB sticks. I know. I've I... just pulled one out of my machine that I plugged in a while ago, just lying around. It's 8 gig. I mean, the, this podcast, when it's published to Patreon, the extended version, is about 80 megabytes in its own right. So that you would get one episode of this show, maybe so two at a push, is... on that on that USB stick. We should do a deal with them and have the podcast put on it. I mean, if anybody wants <laughs> this, I will, I will happily sell you just a USB stick yeah. per episode for, a for, a, for 300 quid. Oh no! Just you know, don't don't be greedy. Just sell it for what it costs. But it's you know, I, hold on, I'll Amazon it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it's um, it's so it's it's terrible as a product. It's terrible as a USB stick, and hopefully, it's going to get pulled offline uh, because it's worth at best a, a two or three quid. So um, it just it goes to show that um, sixteen well, pounds for ten. Sixteen pounds for ten, okay. Yeah, and that's at retail. That's not trade. That's price. Amazon. Yeah, that's just the right. first result. So if you bought them in bulk, you'd probably get them for about a quarter of that, probably less. Probably, yeah, yeah. Amazing. Shocking. So if if you see anybody talking about this, and the reason it in itself got talked about a little bit is because uh, references to it were included in, I think it was a Glastonbury city uh report about 5g risks or something um they reference that such a product exists and um and that's one of the reasons it it became written about in the news this week but i just wanted to make absolutely sure that nobody listening has is under the impression that a usb stick like this can save you from threats that don't exist with technological claims that are as fabricated as the uh the, the misinformation itself so i mean i it, this is baffling that people will buy into this um and i but i and um i someone in the chat i think it was maybe richard said uh you kind of you kind of almost don't have a lot of sympathy for people that are prepared to buy this kind of stuff you know thinking it will help when really there's just first of all no evidence there's a problem and second of all no evidence that there's a solution uh because it's hard to solve a problem that doesn't exist if you see what i mean um but yeah, I mean, people will spend money on um, uh, what's the name, Gwyneth Paltrow's stones for your um, inside bits, uh, which is ridiculous. And people will pay a lot of money for that kind of stuff. A, a fool and his money are easily separated, as the the thing goes. I mean, I remember setting up a business on eBay, where I think I I offered to sell compliments. <laughs> well, that's a tangible thing. Although Every, it's not, is it? It's not, and that's why I wasn't allowed to sell you it. You got shut Apparently, down. Well, you're you not allowed it. to email a compliment every day well, to you, somebody. Mm, no, I suppose not. You could post it, though. Could... I know, but that was effort, and I was in it for the margin. Well, of uh, course. And, I mean, and the margin okay. on that was basically 100%. Pure profit. Absolutely. absolutely, yeah. Apart from the electricity it takes to fire up your computer to... Uh, but, I, you know, I'm, I'm guessing you were living at home at this point. Oh, yes. 
yeah. So, so your mum was paying for the electricity. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, Charlotte makes a good point in the uh, in the live chat that, that there are two different issues here. That people believe the five G stuff because good ed tech education is rare, which is very very true. Yeah. Um, and the Goop stuff sells because pressure is put on women to uh, yes. to stay young and to be perfect. Um, which again is very true. And I, I, you know, there's evidence for this when you when you see TV commercials about. Uh, some kind of a uh, not I was going to say sanitary product, not a sanitary product, a um, a cosmetic. Like a, sorry, a co- yeah, where like it says a, a know, youth serum contains oxpofin six um, or or some some other thing, and it it's not that it doesn't contain that thing. It's just that that thing is being used as a way of pulling wool over people's eyes. I feel like oh, well, mm. if it contains that that chemical, that that impressive sounding thing, then it must be good. Um, right. So here, let me let me let me run something by you that is a counter proposal, and that's uh, okay. Yeah, we, we accept that this is fleecing people who probably don't deserve to be fleeced for the most part. They're, they're probably people who've bought into the lies and and feel scared, which is a perfectly reasonable human reaction. But let's just say, you know, what if these people think they've got a problem? They buy this thing and it makes them feel better. Then. Is there not some sort of argument to suggest that the placebo effect is perfectly valid? I have no objection to the placebo effect. I have no objection to people um, indulging in homeopathy. What I object to with something like homeopathy is it being advised as an alternative to medicine. (laughs) Reminds Um, me of another Mitchell and Webb sketch. Have you ever seen that one? Is it some homeopathic doctor? Oh, it's brilliant. No. um, Oh, you need to watch it. (laughs) Anyway, carry on. I don't, I don't remember that one. You know, at the end of the day, if something works, if if you feel better because of something, then fair enough. But the 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 issue is where people sell it as 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 something as an alternative to something that is you know medically validated and 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 tested. You know, if if yeah. you if you feel sad and someone comes to you and says, well, homeopathy homeopathy will make you feel not sad. Simply have a bit of this once a day, and in a week's time you'll feel fine. And then in a week's time you feel fine. Then I mean, I, I can't complain with that, really, if that works for you. But if, if you go to someone and say, well, the doctor says on this test, I have a disease, uh, but instead of having treatment for the disease, yeah. I'm going to have some diluted lemon juice or something like that. Well, yeah. And this isn't that, though. No, but it's not. I, I take your point. Anyway, um, any thoughts? Always, as ever, welcome. Hello at UKTechShow.com. You're used to hearing the smooth, velvet sound of Nate's voice drizzled over your ears like a warm eardrum syrup, topped off with the freshly squeezed citrus tang of an Ian Morris opinion. Supporters of the show at patreon.com forward slash UK tech enjoy second helpings every week. So pull up a chair, find your nearest spoon, and tuck into a sumptuous extra helping with no commitment. If you have any allergies, please inform a waiter. Well, we, of course, keep you up to date with all the important things that uh, Ian and I think about and occasionally things that happen in the British technology landscape. But you know who's even more comprehensive when it comes to the global tech scene? It's Tom Merritt. Here he is being comprehensive. 
This week on Daily Tech News Show, we break down the concept of safe harbor, what the relevant law in the U.S. actually says, what Twitter's policy has been and how they changed it when they applied it to the president, and what the president's executive order on social networks can and cannot do. Also, we talk about TikTok cults, and I'm fairly certain we're all members of Step Chickens now. All this and what's left of our souls at DailyTechNewsShow.com. Yeah, Tom's as drained as we are when it comes to that. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, but, he's uh, got but no he, choice, though. But, but if, you want, if you want to actually have a validated uh, take on what's happening in where politics and technology uh, coincide in a way that is of global interest, then uh, listen to Tom, dailytechnewsshow.com. Come to us, in fact, for stories about the several times that I almost got arrested making films as a teenager, <laughs> um, or the weird letters that Ian managed to get hold of when he worked at the BBC. They are, in fact, all discussed on the extended version of this week's show, which is available exclusively to patrons at, you, uh, what is it, patreon.com forward slash UK tech. We had a great discussion. Um, Ian, how would you summarize that? Would it be... Um, me in a suit screaming outside a theater yeah well, my friends yeah. film me from a bush yep i would think that's a pretty fair summary and i would summarize your story as um to do with Anne robinson yeah but anyway thank you to everyone who is supporting us at patreon.com forward slash uk tech um, and i hope some of you may be intrigued by those stories uh to go and support those uh or rather support us and get those uh extra episodes Ian, that will do it for this week, I think. You, as ever, have smelt fantastic. You've sounded oh, even you. better. And I assume you're dressed well. I am, uh, actually. As, as, as well. Well, I mean, in, I'm dressed. Um, one of well, Noel Edmonds' hand-down hand shirts, I imagine. No, no, I'm, I'm wearing T-shirts these days. Oh, nice. Um, and I won't I won't lie to you. I've got, I've got some lockdown weight to lose. Yeah, well, uh, if you want to help Ian lose weight, um, <laughs> well, there's nothing we can do about it. See you next week.